So I want to ask for um, I want to ask for patience. I, I think you already probably understand this, but I want to make it ultimately and very clear that the guy, the man, the individual that stands before you is in a process of learning how to be a better follower of Jesus Christ. And as I do that, there are changes in my head. There are changes in my mind. There are changes that happen within me that, that create this growth, that create this. And obviously, God's the one. The Holy Spirit's the one that's, that's moving me forward. But as I try to get things figured out, there will be times when you realize that I learned something this week that I had never thought of before, that I had never come across before. And when I share those things with you, I hope that it's not, why are we listening to this knucklehead? Because he doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't have it all figured out, and I'm, I'm totally okay with not being able to say I've got it all figured out. And I think that's part of the process. So please have patience with me. Uh, there were things this week that, that came up in my study, um, came up in, in even in this message alone. That, and I thought I had this one. I thought this one was like, oh yeah, this is no problem. But I learned things this week that, that I want to share with you. And um, hopefully you'll, you're blessed by it as well. We're going to talk about interdependence. Relationships eternal. Eternal relationships that we'll talk about that are, that are interdependent. Not just, not just independent. Not just dependent. We're interdependent. We're a, we're a team. Some of you have heard this from me before, and you may have heard it from other resources, secular resources, but I want to explain to you a little bit what interdependence means. When we are born, we are very dependent. Wouldn't you agree? When little Kennedy Ann comes out in a few months, and it, when, I don't, we don't have names for this one, so when little Kane comes out in a little while, not too very long at all, they're going to be extremely dependent, Right? The moment they enter the earth, if they enter the world, if, if mom and dad aren't there, that child won't make it, right? There are other animals in the planet, in the, in the animal kingdom, that can survive immediately after birth. And they function just fine. But with us, it's not that way. We're very dependent. As we mature, we gain more and more independence, Right? We become more independent. And, and it's bizarre as parents to watch that, isn't it? <laughs> it's amazing how quickly little ones want independence. This is a private victory. It's an accomplishment. But it's a private one. There are three steps or three parts to this private victory. And as we age, as we grow, as we become adults, we gain this, this private victory. One, we take responsibility for our own choices. If you choose to not eat, you're going to be hungry, right? It's a choice a child makes. Sometimes mom and dad have to help out with that one. But as we gain understanding, we, we start making the choices. We start taking responsibility for those choices. Two, we set goals. We view, we, we view the future as what we want it to be. We say, I want to be like this someday. Therefore, you begin to learn how to do those things, right? If a person wants to be a mathematician, if they want to be an engineer, they, they study math. And they get good at it. 
And thirdly, we act on our priorities. It may be during high school or in college that some of us really uh, gain a full independence. It may be way into adulthood before we understand that maturity and gain that independence. When we're able to support and take care of ourselves. Often we think that this is the climax of our lives. We think that this is the epitome of, of uh, where we want to make it in life. We've become independent. But it's not. Interdependence can be obtained with healthy relationships. We learn that we are interdependent. Independence is a private victory, but interdependence is a public victory. And an accomplishment for those around us as well. We need to be mature, past independence to interdependence. Working as a team, uh, collaborating, working together to get a, a common goal accomplished. Healthy relationships provide this interdependence. It informs healthy relationships. Every relationship out there is a form of interdependence, working together. There are many tools that we can use for this interdependence. Technology is one of them. But realize with me that technology is not a replacement for human interaction. We need to have the one-on-one, face-to-face conversation. All relationships are important. And this particular series that we're going to begin today, we're not going to continue this series one right after another. It's going to be sort of hit and miss, intermittent throughout the rest of the summer. But it's a relationship series. We're going to learn how to become more interdependent and how to rely on each other and how to help others uh, rely on us. So this series is entitled Interdependence, Relationships Eternal. I believe our cars are great. I love nice cars. I really think houses are nice too. I, I, like, to, I like the house we live in and I think it's great. Uh, I like our smartphones. They're great, aren't they? I love having at the touch of my fingertips so much information. Sometimes it's overwhelming. But all of these things will go away. Relationships, first, are what matters the most. And second, are going to last the longest. Many of them if within the context of a relationship with God, will be eternal. (laughs) We all know that marriage relationship is till death do us part. But in in marriage, a lifetime sometimes seems like an eternity. Of course, that's not the way it is in my relationship. Um, I love every minute of my relationship. We never have a bad moment in our house. But it is. These, these relationships we're creating now can last eternity with they're within the context of an almighty God. Life's most important relationship, the one we're going to talk about today, is obviously the vertical. I call this the vertical because it's a, we, we think of God being a heavenly character. We think of him being up in the air. And those, so therefore, I always talk about our relationship with God as a vertical. We need to have a vertical. First, the commandment in Matthew chapter 22, and verse 36 through 40. It says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Second is equally important. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It's pretty simple, right? If we just get those two things down, we've got it made. Second, the great privilege. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 tells us that the spirit we receive does not make us slaves again to fear. It makes us what? Children of God. With that spirit, we cry out, Father. We can call Dad our Father, God in heaven, our Dad. We can call Him our Father. We can have that close, one-on-one relationship with Him. It's a great privilege. This concept of holding up hands and saying, Daddy, Daddy, is extremely a foreign idea from biblical standards or from biblical times. Back in the old days, the Jews didn't even, weren't even allowed to say the word God. It was too sacred. But today's day and age, we can. We're allowed to say the very name of God and hold Him close as we would our own parent. This idea of being able to call Him Father, have an everyday conversation with an Almighty God is a great honor and a great privilege. Next, we want to talk about the great cliché. You hear it often. You hear it. It's, it's a coined phrase, and it's, it's a personal relationship with God. Doesn't it sound nice? A personal relationship with God. How many of you, if you had to define what it meant to have a personal relationship with God, you could just ramble right off the top of your head exactly what it is and exactly what it looks like in your life? Anybody? It's difficult, isn't it? What does a personal relationship with God look like? How does that play out in my life? What does that actually look like? Oftentimes we compare a personal relationship with religion. And it's a lot different than that. We have, we have a God that, that knows and cares for us individually. We have a God who listens and responds. We have a God who directs and guides. It's such an amazing thing to be in a relationship with God. It's not so much that we can predict the future. But when we look back, when we look in the rearview mirror, we can see God's hands on just about every piece and part of our life. It's a great thing to have a personal relationship with God. So what's the difference between relationship and religion? How can we tell if we've been caught up in religion or if we are in a relationship with God? One way is that religion is a one-size-fits-all type of life. Anytime we all seem to have to walk on one track and be just alike, when we talk about how God will respond if we do things a certain way, it has become religion. As a result of this emphasis on everyone being the same, we find there are lots of rules and rituals that we're trying to push on those around us. We trade the joy-filled, trustworthy life of a real relationship for a cold and empty slavery of religion. Relationship-based Christianity is characterized by uniqueness. Every single one of us are unique. Obviously, we can't just do whatever we want and gain this relationship with God. He has set up a few important things along the way. I call them house rules, if you want to call them that. But for the most important part of everyone's relationship, that relationship with God is going to look different for every single person. I want you to do something for me. 
Look around. I know it's not okay to do this in church, but I, it is right now. Look around at all the people sitting next to you. I'm serious. Look around at them. There are some weirdos sitting next to you. Look at that. That's impressive, right? Whoa. We aren't all the same. We're all a little bit different. But yet we have very little patience when someone whose relationship with God is a little bit different than ours. Let me illustrate this way. I have very different relationships with my kids. Each and every one of them is a unique individual. My interaction with them is similar in nature, but each one goes about our relationship a little bit differently. Cameron interacts different than, than Colton does, and Castlin interacts different than Corbin does. They're all different. My love for each of them is basically the same, but I, how I show it and how they show it back is oftentimes completely different. There are certain expectations that I have as a dad that they all fully understand and respect, but there's also differences. There are differences in the way I approach and respond to each one of them. They're different individuals, and therefore, as their dad, I bend my ways, I change my ways to interact with them. It's the same with our relationship with God. I believe that God changes the way he approaches and responds to each and every one of us based on who we are. There are going to be some of you in this life that experience things that God deliberately hands out to you that some of the rest of us will never experience. And vice versa. There's going to be all kinds of things that we go through that we're not all going to experience the same. God does things differently. When we're in a relationship with Him, He's going to respond differently to each and every one of us. Of course, there are house rules that apply to everyone. <laughs> when Caitlin moved into our house, she was a little on the crazy side when she moved in. And now she's worse. <laughs> there were some house rules that were established early on. And in order for her to be allowed to live in my house, she had to go by those house rules. I'm sure she broke everyone, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> she wasn't even part of our family at that point, but she was living under those house rules. She's a part of our family now. But that was a condition of living in our house. Our relationship with God is very similar. There are some stipulations, some house rules, some, some conditions of pardon, if you want to call it that. Please understand that God's character doesn't change. He is not created in our image. In Sky Jathani's book, it's entitled With, he writes an entire section about this idea of Jesus being like us. He writes, every semester, Scott McKnight, professor of religious studies at North Park College in Chicago, gives his students a test on the first day of his Jesus class. The test begins with a series of questions about what the student's think Jesus is like? Is he moody? Does he get nervous? Is he the life of the party or an introvert? The 24 questions are then followed by a second set with slightly altered language in which the students answer questions about their own personalities. 
McKnight is not the only one who has administered this exam. It has been field tested by other professionals as well, but the results are remarkably consistent. Everyone thinks Jesus is just like them. McKnight added, the test results also suggest that even though we like to think we are becoming more like Jesus, the reverse is probably more the case. We try to make Jesus like ourselves. McKnight's personality questionnaire confirms the, what the French philosopher Voltaire said three centuries ago. If God has made us in his image, we have returned him the favor. Yes, God loves all of us in our own special way. But God's character doesn't change. He's still God. But look at this passage of scripture with me in Luke chapter 7 and verse 33. This is an interesting one. It says, For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine. And you say he was possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. You get the picture here? John the Baptist was this guy that was this off back in the off backwoods, wore weird clothing and ate really weird things that I would never um, get anywhere close to. Well, the honey part maybe, but, but definitely not the locust part. And on the other side, Jesus was hanging out with all of these, uh, you know, hanging out with all these crazy people and all these sinners. He would, he would yell at the religious people and John the Baptist would just yell at everybody and they were completely opposite in character and in nature. But both were loved by God. Both were received by God and in fact were, played a huge role in our salvation. Look at the last part of that verse. It says, But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. These guys are near opposites. This is the one piece of this message that I really want you to get a hold of and take home. Your relationship with God may look a little different than the person sitting next to you. We're all following house rules, but we're going to have a different relationship with God. Religion is something that you ritualistically do, but relationship is who you are. What does it take to have a great vertical relationship with God? We've talked about the commandment. We've talked about the, the, the um, yeah, that next thing we talked about. What is it? The great privilege and then the great cliche. We've talked about all three of those. And, and now we're going to just get real practical. We're just going to boil it down. We're going to get real practical. Pretend like we're at Dasbog or Starbucks and we're, we're sitting around a table or we're having a Coke, we're having a coffee, we're having a whatever you're going to have. What would you order? What would you have if we're just going to sit down and have a conversation? Anybody? Come on, shout it out. What do you, what do you order? Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Yeah. Coke. Coke. I'll order a rock slide with damage. Frozen blended whipped cream on top. I'm bellying up to the table. We're going to have a conversation about what it takes to have a relationship with an almighty God. Let's pray before we go there.
God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together today and God, have this conversation about what it takes to have a relationship with you. God, help each individual, each different, unique individual here to figure out what it is that a real relationship with you looks like. God, help us all to gain a vertical today. Maybe, maybe it's just we've, we've fallen off the horse or we've fallen off the ladder and we're not exactly connected to you today. God, help us to gain that back. Bless us now as we dive into these things. Bless our conversation. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to take a few sips because the whipped cream is all jammed up into that plastic cap and I am not for a second going to lose any of it. And if you start pulling your straw out, it starts falling out the top. And so I'm going to take a few sips and get it down a little bit um, before I mix it up. Number one, if we're going to have a vertical relationship with God, we don't want to put God first on our list. What? A preacher's telling you to not put God on the top of your list? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because if God's on the top of your list, you could check him off and move on to other things. I don't believe God should be at the top of our list. I believe God should be in the middle of everything that we do. It shouldn't be a... It shouldn't be, oh, God's over here and I'm going to do that first and then I'm going to move on to my way of life. I always thought that God should be first on my list. Get up in the morning, read my Bible and pray, and then move on to the rest of what? My day. This is God's day and every single piece of it should be His. I'm not real good at waking up early in the morning and reading my Bible and praying. I'm just not. I just, I, I have a hard time focusing that early in the morning. Now, late at night, 10, 30, 11, I don't care what time of the night it is, I can focus then. I can really concentrate on what it is that God does. You may be different. And that's okay. The whole day should be His, not just the beginning. You can't check off your list. If He's on the top of your list, you might be able to check Him off. We don't want to do that. God needs to be in the middle of everything. I used to have a list. Number one, God. Number two, church. Number three, family. Number four, other stuff. And my two and three always got in fights. Well, should, should family be above church or should church be above family? I, I would always get in this huge battle. What I came to realize is this. That when I put God in the middle of everything, there isn't a battle between church and family. It's very simple. When I'm with the church, God in the middle of it. And when I'm with my family, God in the middle of it. Deciding between the two isn't even an issue. Because when God's in the middle of my family, my family is usually enjoying the time I'm spending with the church. And when I'm spending time and energy with the church, most often I'm with my family. Because God's in the middle of both. Real problems begin to take place when God is removed from either two or three. When God's removed from church, my family hates it. When God is removed from my family, the church feels rejected. Are you smelling what I'm stepping in here? Are you getting it? it it's God in the middle, not God as a priority. God is everything. God's everywhere. God's all through all things. He shouldn't just be the first thing on our list and we check it off. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. 
If you've got your Bibles, please look this one up. Even if you've got an app, look this one up. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. I'm reading out of the NLT, and all the different translations have a little bit different start. But the NLT says, and whatever you do. I want you to circle, highlight, underline, whatever it is you do, those first four words. And whatever you do. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you're going. God should be in the middle. Look at what it says. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord. Give thanks through Him to God the Father. Whatever you do. Our relationships struggle when we put everything in its own little box. It becomes religion at that point. If we have God in one box and the world and our own desire own desires in another box, they start to compete and it causes problems. Let me ask you this. Are there jokes that you would tell when you're at work, but you wouldn't tell here at church? In the secular worldly box, there are ways that people kind of kind of cheat and aren't completely honest and it's it's okay in that in that box. But you wouldn't think about doing that here. That would be completely unacceptable here. Here's the kind of funny truth. If you really have these two boxes that you live in, and, and God isn't in the middle of everything, while in your, in your secular worldly box, really, um, you're too ungodly for a Christian. And at the same time, in the spiritual box... You're, you're way too religious to be a Christian, right? Put God in the middle of everything if you desire a good vertical relationship with Him. A good vertically, vertical relationship makes, the great, makes great horizontal relationships. And we're going to talk about those over the next few weeks. We're going to continue to focus on the great vertical. Are you with me? Scoot in. I'm getting to the good stuff. But don't drink it too fast because I'll get a brain freeze if you drink it too fast. Number two, we need to figure out what works for you. You need to do what works for you. Don't turn descriptions into prescriptions. You know how David described his his relationship with God? That's not the way that we all have to do it. Because obviously he kind of messed up later on, right? That's not the way we all have to do it. Just because someone describes their relationship with God in this particular way doesn't necessarily that that's the prescription that everybody has to follow. And don't turn tools into rules. There are many tools that different individuals use to get a closer relationship with God. Let me give you an example. If you ever get in the car with my mom, there's one or two things on the radio. It's either the Rockies game or... The Bible. She listens to the Bible nonstop. It's like always there. That's what she likes to do. It's a tool that she uses to get closer to God. Now, she doesn't force everybody in the church to listen to the Bible, to have a good relationship with God. And in order to have a vertical relationship with God, you have to listen to the Bible in your car all the time. She doesn't do it that way. But she has offered it, hasn't she? How many of you knew that mom listened to the Bible in the car? Yeah. A lot of us do. And she's even told us, you know, hey, you should try this. Have any of you tried it? I have. I've tried it a couple of times. 
I even tried it on my tractor once. Plugged in my ears and putzing around lawn, mowing, mowing the grass. Sometimes it works. But once again, give the tools a try, but don't think that they're the rule. Don't make it the rule. A tape measure is a great tool, but it doesn't work very good for mowing grass, right? You gotta use the right tool for the right job. Maybe it's not the right one. Romans chapter 14 is a very revealing verse, and I was hit hard by this verse. Romans 14, look at it with me in verse 4. It says, Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Get the picture here. Who are we to judge someone else's servants? You're not my servants. You're God's servants. Who am I to judge what you're doing for him? Let him do that, right? That's his job. That's his, that's his deal. If you're pleasing him, then that's great. It doesn't matter if you're pleasing me or not. It doesn't matter if you're pleasing somebody sitting next to you or not. In the same way some think one day is more holy than another, while others think every day is alike, you should always be fully convinced that whatever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do it to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating it. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Great tools. Right? But be careful of the I feel close to God trap. Do what works for you, but not whatever makes you feel good. People say, well, the house rules really just don't work for me. That sort of thing just doesn't really work for me. I just don't talk that way. I just don't act that way. I just don't. That's just not the way I operate. I feel close to God when. I don't want to come to church because I feel close to God when I'm out in the woods or when I'm taking a long bath or when I'm riding my motorcycle or when I'm spending time with my family. I feel close to God when. Don't get confused. Just because you feel relaxed and stress-free doesn't mean you're getting close to God. It's not always an indication. Modern-day so-called Christianity is getting confused with feeling good. There are many times when I'm close to God and it's not real comfortable. Luke chapter 7 verse 33. We read this in a different translation earlier. It says, John the baptizer came fasting and you called him crazy. And the son of God came feasting and you called him a lush. Opinion polls don't count for much, do they? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. We've all got to just get down to it and figure out what works for us. Figure out what puts us together with an almighty God. Figure out how we can make that vertical connection. The mark of being close to God is obedience. A good vertical relationship is based in obedience to an almighty God. 1 John 2, 3 and 5 says, And we can be sure of this, that we know Him if we obey His commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, then a person is a liar and he's not living in the truth. Those who obey God, God's words truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. That's how we know we're in a vertical relationship with an Almighty God. Do what works for you. Okay, it's time to mix in the whipped cream. Shove it down in there and 
mix it all around. We're down to the last half. The last half is always better because the whipped cream's mixed in. And if you got damage, do you know what damage is? Does anybody know what damage is? They're like chocolate covered coffee beans and they like chop them up in real fine pieces. And if you order a frozen drink, a lot of times they'll sit in the top of it. And so by the time you're halfway done, they're down in there and you're starting to get some of them. And they taste really good. Second half's always better. I don't know about this. I don't know about this message though. May not be. You may have to sleep through the next part. Empty rituals can't replace genuine relationship. If you want a real relationship with God, if you want a true vertical, we have to realize that empty, empty rituals can't replace genuine relationship. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22 says, Samuel replied, what's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering of fat of lambs. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Outer actions can't cover up a messed up heart. You know how it is in your house when somebody's got a little rotten attitude. And there's things that go on. There's things that happen. There's things that you can watch them do. There's things that you can do, watch them and how they react with other people. And once in a while, you just have to put your foot down and say, okay, that's it. That's enough. That's enough rebellion. That's enough stubbornness. It's as wicked and sinful as witchcraft and worshiping idols. It's bad stuff. Outer actions can't cover up a messed up heart. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, Since you died with Christ and were made free from the ruling spirits of this world, why do you act as if you still belong to the world by following rules like don't handle this, don't taste that, don't even think about touching that? These rules refer to earthly things that are gone as soon as they are used. They are only human commands and teachings. They seem to be wise but are only part of human religion. They make people pretend not to be proud and make them punish their bodies but they do not really control the evil desires of the sinful self. Get rid of the rituals and start focusing on the authenticity of your relationship with God. Early on in my life, there was a great deal of concern about outward things. The things that were on the outside. To be perfectly honest, it pushed me away from a vertical relationship with God. God's no fool. When my outward is impeccable and my inward is messed up, he's not happy with that. If you're going to have a great relationship with God, you've got to eliminate the rituals and focus on the authentic vertical. The damage is starting to set in. It's down there in the bottom and sometimes there's some ice chunks, so you've got to kind of work through those ice chunks to get the rest of your good stuff out. Maybe you ordered a warm one and it's that, that frothy stuff that sits on the top, goes all the way down to the bottom and those last few sips are like, they're really strong but they're, mm, they're really good. Every great vertical relationship has ups and downs. Every single one of them is going to have highs and you're going to have lows. You're going to have mountains and you're going to have valleys. Every single one of them. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 says, The spirit we receive does not make us slaves again to fear. It makes us children of God. And with that spirit we cry out, Father. 
when we're in that low spot, we can just reach up and say, Dad, help. Help, Dad, I'm stuck. My kids have bad moments. They have moments of rebellion. But they have also grand moments of growth. If you're having a bad day, I don't, I don't disown them when they have a bad day. Do you? Do you disown your kid when they're having a bad day? Like, get out of here, kid. We're sick of you. Go live with somebody else. No, we don't do that. It's just a bad day. It's just having a, it's just kind of, okay, let's get over it. Let's move on. If we're having a bad day, I don't disown them. They're still my kids. I'm still their dad. God's the same way. We're going to have ups and downs. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, Imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Acknowledge the fact that God's okay with you having ups and downs. He's okay with you having moments of, of even rebellion and moments of great growth. It's all right. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, Knowledge begins with respect for the Lord, but fools hate wisdom and discipline. What takes place when that rebellion sets in? We need to repent. And there's a beautiful thing that happens when rebellion is removed from the heart of a child. When the rebellion is removed from our lives and we separate ourselves from Satan's hold on us, what happens? We're filled with joy. There's no greater joy than just eliminating a piece of rebellion out of our lives, a piece of stubbornness. Revelation chapter 2, we've read this verse in the last couple weeks. It's the letter that, that the angel wrote to the church in Ephesus. And he commends them for all of the great, amazing things that he, they've done. But then he goes right down to the end. And he says, verse 5, Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. God's not asking them to feel what they used to feel. He's asking them to go back to the works that they, have start, they started with in marriage, which we'll get to in a, maybe even next week. But in marriage, I've had people come to me and say, you know what, I just don't, I just don't feel it anymore. I'm just not feeling what I used to feel. You know what I tell them? I tell them to go back and do the things that they used to do. They'll start to feel it when you start doing it. Many people, even Christians, sometimes get their impression that, that their relationship is based purely on feelings. This verse makes it abundantly clear that the authenticity of our relationship is based on our action. The things we do. As you sip on that last bit of latte, wrap up your cappuccino, whatever. Sip on the last little bit of Coke. Remember, you know, you know, there's that, there's that really awesome sound that you get when you get to the bottom of your drink and you used to tell the kids, don't do that. I want each and every one of you right now to make your best empty drink straw noise. Okay. You know that noise you get? That sounds pretty good. There's not too many chunks in your drinks. What's it going to take to have a good relationship with God? We've got to put God right in the middle of everything we're doing. Second, we've got to figure out what works for us. What, what brings you personally closer to Him? Thirdly, we've got to replace authentic relationship with all of those ritualistic things that we used to do. 
we got to realize that there are mountains and there are valleys in this vertical relationship. There's going to be ups and downs, and God's okay with that. I want to have a good vertical relationship with my dad, with my almighty God. And I hope that some of the things that we've shared today can help you do just that as well. Eliminate all that other stuff in your head about what, what church should be and what a relationship should be and all, all this stuff. And focus on that vertical relationship with him. Thank you again for being here. And um, thanks for uh, joining me in our um, virtual coffee shop. Sometimes I come up with really goofy ideas.